Luna Stint, the, the next one, through Irish Eyes, Irish Sequel and Sweet Thomas driving through as Irish Sequel, Irish Sequel through Irish Eyes, kicks back, but I think Irish Sequel's just one from through Irish Eyes. Third, Sweet Thomas, followed by Luna Stint, and then Maricopa trailed over by Papalino. On Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab, this is the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. And it's great to have your company on the Big Sports Breakfast Weekend. This strange voice that you're hearing is Ryan Phelan filling in for Ray Thomas, who's over in the UK at Royal Ascot. We're going to be talking to Ray in just a moment. I'm with Dean Bulldog, Richie and Bulldog. As we uh, uh, encourage people to join us on the open line number, 135353, they can send us an SMS as well, 0419767272. We often have a topic on the weekend, and we're encouraging everyone to participate in the topic this week of great debuts. We, we were talking before about uh, the, the great debut performance in the uh, the Melbourne game last night of, of Grant, Grant Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, it got us thinking of, of some of the great, the debuts, great debuts over debuts. the years. Yeah, that's our talk topic today, great debuts. Also, Ryan, we shouldn't forget Billy Slater, great debut yes. on Wednesday night as Queensland yes. coach. So based on Slater and Grant Anderson, I have racked my brains and I reckon I've come up with a good one. Yeah. 1990-91, the great Mark Jr. war. Yeah. 100 on debut down in Adelaide. It was a beautiful innings as Mark could produce. Uh, and as Ray Thomas told me off air, he said, everything came out of the middle that day. So Mark War's debut in the baggy green in 1990-91, I think it might have been 138. Brilliant innings. So I'll go junior as my debut. Yeah. You're spot on about Billy Slater too, obviously with the coach of, of Queensland. But as a player too, I remember when he went to the Melbourne Storm, his very first game, he was instrumental in the Melbourne's And I think it was Craig Bellamy's first game as, as coach as well. They were down 22-0. Billy Slater on debut for the Melbourne Storm. He was instrumental in them coming back to beat the uh, the Sharks in that game uh, for the Melbourne Storm. So uh, he was terrific as a player as well. One debut that I remember was Sonny Bill Williams back in 2004 for the Bulldogs. Remember, I think they played Parramatta and he absolutely carved up, scored a try. I think he set up a a couple of tries and a great debut season as well. He ended up um, being selected. I think at the time he was maybe the youngest debutant ever, Um, you know, for I think what New New South Wales and, and, um, and uh, uh, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. So I remember that game, right? It was at Olympic Park. And Laurie Daly, was the man who sits in this very seat, said he will go down as one of the all-time great players based on that one game. And yeah. Laurie was spot on. Yeah. He absolutely tore Parramatta to stretch. I think he was playing in the centres that day. Yep. And uh, you're spot on, though. That was one hell of a debut, the great Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah. Well, I'm on debut this morning for this great man who we're about to uh, say hello to this morning. Of course, uh, you don't need to say hello to him because you listen to him each and every Sunday. And... Of course, we know his deeds in the racing world. He is uh, the doyen of the pen when it comes to the sport in this country of racing, and that is Ray Thomas. Good morning, Ray, or should I say a top of the morning to you over there in England? (laughs) Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Dino. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for filling in, Ryan, and love the talk topic. Remember Sonny Bill Williams' debut? I reckon Tanya will remember it too, being a Parramatta fan. It was incredible, and... That innings of Marks in Adelaide, I think it was, Dina, he replaced Steve, his brother Steve, in the test team. And I think if you talk to Mark War about that, everything came off the middle about that day. One of those days when a sportsman's just in the zone and 
almost from the moment he walked out, the very first ball, uh, he seemed destined to score 100. So um, great talk topic. For me, boys, I'll, I'll throw in a, a slightly obscure one way back in 1976 for one of the very rare occasions there were actually two divisions of the first two old races of the new season the breeders played at Randwick one of them was won by a colt from Newcastle by 12 lengths he made a massive statement on debut his name was Luskin Star mm. I think everyone who walked off the track that day thought they saw a champion a bit like Sonny Bill Williams Dino and indeed he was um what a sprinter he was Luskin Star so what are you doing over there Ray boy you having a beer <laughs> Is there a little pub uh, nearby where you're staying? One of those little quaint English pubs where you tuck into a corner some with a bangers couple of bangers and a mash. Oh, bring it on! Yeah. There's one right next door, actually. Yeah. And you've <laughs> been there watching the um, no, because of as you do, Dean, on a Saturday night. I know you don't drink. I thought I can't have a few beers and come on and drive yourself and Ryan and our listeners mad. But um, there's been a massive game over here tonight: England versus Italy in the what they call the Nations League, and uh, England really needed to win this game tonight to potentially advance in this competition. Nil all draw, they're in trouble, and there's some very disappointed fans leaving the pub as we speak, boys. So, Ray, you know, with names recently like Black Caviar, Takeover Target, Schwarzier, Miss Andretti, you know, the Australian sprinters have really drawn a lot of interest over there in Royal Ascot, and that's why you're over there. It's become a real desired pilgrimage, I guess, a racing mecca, if you like, for people that love it. I've never had the, the chance to go to England. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have never gone there as well for the, the five-day carnival. Just give us a bit of a snapshot uh, because the location is about an hour out of London. So where do people stay? Um, what's the vibe like? Is is there a strong uh, expat sort of representation or people making the, the, the trip over there to, to enjoy the races? What's it like? Yeah, there definitely will be this year. Obviously, the last couple of years, like everything, COVID has really impacted Royal Ascot. Two years ago, there was no one on track. Last year, about 5,000 people. And Royal Ascot is a huge, cavernous um, race course. It's a bit like Flemington. So if you've got a small crowd, it's a, it, it, there's no one there. And But when there's 70,000 plus, it's a place of heaving humanity. And it's all about tradition, boys. We're, um, the Racetrack was actually founded back in 1711 by the then Queen Anne, and it's probably England's most famous racetrack. And it, it goes, um, it sort of starts where Windsor Castle's grounds finish. So um, those who are in the royal procession every day have lunch with the Queen at Windsor Castle, and then take part of that royal procession in various carriages that come from Windsor Castle's grounds onto the back of Royal Ascot, and along that long straight, it's a mile straight Brian and Dino in front of the grandstand and that happens before the first race every day. Um, the Queen usually is involved every day but of course um, at her age now that I'm not sure whether she'll attend each and every day of Royal Ascot but she has not missed attending a Royal meeting at least once in her entire reign and of course this is her Platinum Jubilee so she'll be here on at least one of those days and that in itself, Ryan, is, is makes this trip so special because you're uh, fortunate enough to attend Royal Ascot in what is the Platinum Jubilee uh, of the, the reigning monarch. Now, Ray, just because you're over there doesn't preclude you from being targeted <laughs> from Shane from Butterham, mm. who texts in. <laughs> 
I'm sure Ray will fit Isn't right that in. Off, was it Dino? Yeah, the off. That's it. <laughs> I'm sure Ray will fit right into the Ascot vibe. I'm just not sure his immaculate bouffant hair will fit into his top hat. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, boys. You've got to wear a top hat. And, um, well, you don't get in if you don't wear one. Did you rent one, Ray, or did you get one tailored? Uh, I had to rent one, yeah. And that doesn't come cheap either. And actually, Dino, you've got a fair bit of pull with News Corp. I'll have to ask you to use your influence because I was told under our new editorial policy that um, clothing is no longer applicable. But mm. you literally <laughs> cannot go onto Royal Ascot, guys, without a top hat and tails if you want to be part of the, the media entourage um, post-race. So you have to dress in the applicable attire and... Um, there are certain parts of the track where you don't need to wear the top hat and tails, but, boys, it's such a tradition over here that almost everyone who goes does wear it. So if you don't wear it, you sort of do stand out, and it's one of those little quaint English traditions that everyone embraces. Yeah, and, Ray, we'll get to uh, yesterday's races in just a moment, but we can't move on without talking about the Aussie Raiders over there because they have become an institution, the Aussie Sprinters, over really the past 20 years, you would have to say, maybe more at uh, Royal Ascot. We've got Chris Waller and Anthony and Sam Friedman over there at the moment uh, for the King's Stand on Tuesday and the Platinum Jubilee on Saturday. So even though there's five days of Royal Ascot with um, 18 Group 1 races, this is our focus. So we've got Nature Strip, Home Affairs and Artorias, which you're covering. Give us an update on those and what we can expect. Yeah, earlier, Ryan, you said how um, the Australians sort of create a lot of interest over here, and that was evident on Friday morning English time when they opened up Royal Ascot to allow the Australian, all three Australian horses to gallop there. Now, uh, just for listeners, Royal Ascot's not a, a racetrack where horses are stabled or trained on, so to have a track work session is very, very rare, and on the odd occasion, they'll open it for an international horse during Royal Ascot week, but... In this instance, having three Australian sprinters galloping along the Royal Ascot um, straight, they did it in Indian file, so to speak. It was a huge print and electronic media contingent from England out to see the Australians. And as you said, Ryan, the Australian sprinters have got that um, uh, excellent tradition at Royal Ascot that began when Schwarzier won both races, the King's Stand and the then Golden Jubilee in 2003. We've had some tremendous horses win over the years. The legend of Takeover Target, um, Miss Andretti winning Scenic Blast. People tend to forget how good he was that year. And of course, the great Black Caviar. In recent years, we haven't had many ref runners at Royal Ascot. I think two reasons. Obviously, COVID impacted the last two years, but the introduction of the Everest has made it so difficult for Australian trainers to think, well, if they got a good sprinter, do we go to England or do we stay here and concentrate on the Everest, which is worth so much more prize money. But this year we've got three runners. H-Strip will line up on Tuesday night in the King Stand Stakes. He's challenging for favouritism with an American horse called Golden Powell, who they say is like lightning out of the barriers, but there's a real quiet confidence in the Waller camp about Nature Strip's chances on Tuesday night. And then to Saturday, Saturday night, Boys Home Affairs and Artorias will line up in the Platinum Jubilee Stakes. Home Affairs is currently the favourite for it. Um, brilliant Colt, he's got a, a decision over Nature Strip and the Lightning Stakes. He's also on a Kilmer up the straight, so we know he's very effective on the straight course. Artorias is the forgotten horse of the Australians. All 
um, the markets suggest, but Nature's Trip and Home Affairs are our two best chances. But don't rule out our tourists. The double-figure chance, about $15 at the moment. But the very nature of Royal Ascot and those undulating straight course and that steep rise to the finish, that'll suit our tourists. He hasn't got the blinding early speed of the likes of Nature's Trip in particular, but he's got a tremendous finish. And on a flat, on a flat straight track in Australia, he just can't pick up the likes of Nature's Trip and Home Affairs. But on this course at Royal Ascot, particularly with that incline coming to the finish, watch for Artorias charging home late on Saturday night.